Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Four days later, his realtor saying, man, I got a call from two different banks saying, two bankers that I knew locally, that this guy, Jason Rogers, was talking about your deal, right? So do what you say and say what you do. When you blend all of those things together, you give yourself the best chance possible to have rapport, but don't get me wrong. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today... We'll be speaking with Jason Paul Rogers. Jason, how are you doing today? Doing awesome. I appreciate you taking the time and for having me here. Oh, absolutely. And we appreciate you doing the same as well. I'm looking forward to our conversation. A little about Jason. He is the founder and CEO of Brighter Living Properties, a real estate investment group with seven figures in assets under management. He acquired his first mobile home park for $1.275 million, eight months after attending a Dan Pena seminar. He is currently based in Omaha, Nebraska, and you can say hi to him at brighterlivingproperties.com. All right, Jason, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, would love to. So I'm a fairly younger guy, 28 now, did our first deal when I was turning 28. So my background really wasn't real estate based. In fact, it really wasn't business based. At the time of recording this just a year ago. So if you go one year in the past, I was actually something of a nomadic traveler. I was living between Denmark and Colombia in South America. So something of a traveler had a little online business and was comfortable enough with that. I then got a bit of a drive single and 
don't have some of those tie downs, you may say, or some of those challenges when you have a mortgage or have kids or have a wife or have a family. So I thought, you know, if I'm going to go big and, and make some moves, this is the time to do it. As you actually mentioned, I didn't think you were going to mention uh, my relationship with Dan Pena, which it's not like we have a deep friendship or even a, a real business relationship, but he does have a seminar that I decided to jump into. He teaches a, a mergers and acquisition style of growing your business by buying top line revenue. So I actually somewhat got into the real estate game, not from a traditional real estate investing standpoint, but from more of an M&A, a mergers and acquisition standpoint, learned everything I could from him because at this time last year, I didn't understand what a balloon payment was, didn't really understand how an amortization schedule worked, how I lived 27 years without knowing some of the basic things about finance that I legitimately didn't understand. I, I don't know, but learned everything I could from him as well as a host of other mentors and individuals finance and about then real estate as I decided, you know what? I really had liked real estate throughout my younger years, hadn't really ever tested the waters, but it always made sense to me to own a hard asset, something tangible, something that would never lose its intrinsic value. And so I decided to go into the mobile home park sector. I really like the aspect of it being a recession resistant asset that essentially will always hold some level of value. And even if the economy has a tough time, people will always need affordable housing. And I could go through the whole story, but I built a team around me because without my lack of real estate experience or legal experience or accounting experience and all these different things, I don't have a B school background or a law degree or anything like that. I figured, you know, let me build a team around myself to help me. And once we had that team established, it was just a nonstop hunt for deals and for finance. And long story short, on August 9th, I believe it was of 2019, we closed our first deal, that deal out here in Nebraska, where I'm talking to you right now, the $1.275 million deal. And now we're going to go on the hunt for bigger deals as we, as we move forward. Do you mind telling us the story of that deal? So if you went to the Dan Penny seminar, you landed on mobile home parks, you already mentioned why. So from there, what were the next steps? How did you find the deal? Did you put the team together first? How did you fund it? And things like that. So as I remember when I was putting my team together, I started firstly with putting a team together. I remember explaining to these individuals I was reaching out to, I reached out to a host of individuals with a lot more background, think investment banker types, uh, individuals with a lot of real estate experience, top accounting firm backgrounds, kind of these big four accounting firms and top legal firms. I was reaching out to individuals of that elk. When I would talk to them, they would ask me, okay, well, do you have capital fundraised? And I remember saying, we're actually going to be running the bases backwards. We're going to be running the third base first, which seems counterintuitive, but we figure if we build a world-class team first, it'll be easier for us to procure financing. So it was almost a, if you build it, they will come mentality. So we built the team first, built some strategic partnerships with a quality accounting firm and a pretty high quality law firm. And then after about two months of really building that team, I went all out on calling for deals and started to build banking relationships. We targeted the Midwest for a host of reasons. I'm actually from California originally, went to school in UCLA. So I'm a California boy, but the cap rates and the valuations of real estate in, in California kind of turned me off, not to mention some of the rent control things and, and aspects of that nature kind of scared me. So we really focused on the Midwest. And after probably about a month of hunting for deals, mainly through cold calling, we weren't really using brokers. For one, I didn't really have any capital to my name. So when you talk to a broker with, hey, send me proof of funds, well, my bank account wasn't exactly super sexy for a broker. So we went with the off-market deal flow, mainly through cold calling. And I went on a tour of probably about 15 to 20 mobile home parks in Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, all the way up into North Dakota. I really found that Great Plains area to be advantageous for what we were looking to do. It, it seemed to have the most opportunity and it seemed to be the least touched by the institutional buyers. And there seemed to be a little less competition for deals out in that area. So 
oh gosh, probably put 20, 25,000 miles on rental cars. I met about 15 to 20 different sellers or potential sellers. I looked at about 15 to 20 different mobile home parks. We then chose the one that made the most sense to us, which is the deal in Nebraska. And from there, I then went on the hunt for bank finance. But as a side note, we also needed equity. We very rarely hear of a real estate deal that you are able to do without any equity. So what actually happened there was, I can't put it any more bluntly than to say I was pretty darn broke. I was actually sleeping on my grandmother's couch for a period when I started this process, which I don't recommend. I don't think what I did was exactly ideal. In fact, it certainly wasn't, but it's my story and it's just the way it happened. So I knew I needed equity from somewhere. And I had a bit of a social media presence, which I leaned onto a good bit, shared that I was looking to do a high quality deal and that we're going to offer a preferred rate of return as well as an equity stake in the acquisition that we made. And I actually started by going to friends and family and I was sincerely looking to practice my pitch. So I went through my pitch and said, Hey, look, you know, economic occupancy over the last three years has been over 95%, which was, was true. Over the last two years, it's been over 97%. This is a local area without a lot of inventory as far as real estate. So the affordable housing demand is super strong. You're next to all these big manufacturers. And I was going through my pitch. I'm pretending when I'm talking to friends and family that they're the investor. So if I was to give you, say, 15 to 20% of this deal and to give you a preferred rate of return of 8%, would that be something that would interest you? And I didn't actually have to get to this big list of investors that had actually raised their hand as investors. I'd found them on LinkedIn. I didn't have to get to that list practicing my pitch to actually come up with the capital we needed because very quickly within my network, there was some very local interest, if you will, in the deal. So within a pretty short amount of time, I was able to procure $150,000 in equity. And then from there, I went on a fundraising tear because with the $1.275 million deal, 150K is only 12% of the capital stack. It's normally you're looking for 25, 30%, perhaps on a down payment for a real estate deal. So my 12% down payment wasn't exactly great, but what the seller initially did in this Nebraska deal He'd initially said to me, Hey, look, you know, I like you and this and that and the other. I'll carry the paper. He was going to carry 275000 on a second position note with a matching interest rate to the first lien note. So, what that was going to do is if you could get the seller carry back to count as equity, we had the 150K in total between transaction costs and a down payment that we were going to use. The seller was going to match the interest rate of the first lien note for 275K. So, it took our quote unquote equity up to, depending on if we used between 100 to 150 of our capital as a down payment versus transaction costs, it was only going to require the bank go in for about 900K of the 1.275. So I pitched every single bank in town, literally called every bank within a hundred mile radius of the asset. There was certainly some pushback because my financials weren't super strong. And that team I built, I had told them initially, Hey, look, I just want your advice. I just want your insight. I'm not looking for you to guarantee a loan. I'm not looking for you to put in money. Just give me the insight and stand behind me, if you will, and give me pointers on how to go forth. And so that was all fine and dandy. They were impressed with the team I had built, but they're like, well, these folks are going to guarantee the loan. Then we'll be really impressed. Then we'll push this thing through. But with you being the guarantor, you guys are bringing a little bit of money into the deal, but how do we de-risk this thing? So that was a challenge for us, but kept pushing. And there were some banks that were getting more interested. And then at some point during the negotiation process, I don't want to get into the skinny of the deal for there's some things I'll keep a little confidential, mainly as it relates to the nuance of the deal and some of the nuance of, of what the seller had going on on his end. I don't want to speak on that behalf, but what ultimately happened was the seller came back to me. And at this point he and I had built a good rapport, which if we had longer, I would talk more about the importance of building a great rapport with, with a potential seller for a host of reasons, including the financial piece, because he came to me and said, look, I see the way you're hunting for bank finance. I also see that if you pay me this big sum of 
say a million dollars or whatever would be upfront in cash, what's going to happen as far as capital gains tax and all this stuff. In long story short, he came back with a seller carryback option and there was a whole bunch of negotiation. How would that be structured? And at what interest rate and the amortization? And there was actually a period where he wanted me to run the thing for two years if we were going to do that deal. And there's a whole bunch of negotiation that happened, but ultimately I was able to not be required to run the thing. And we procured a competitive rate at 6% from the seller. So the deal ultimately closed with an 88% seller carryback note, which means we're pretty damn leveraged. But even at that LTV, if you will, that loan to value, our DSER, our debt service coverage ratio was really high. The thing freely cash flows extremely well. And I think that was in part because we went a little bit more rural, our deals a little bit outside of Omaha, and we were willing to go into a slightly more rural area that was actually really strong local economy, agriculturally based very stable, but it was one of those deals that was a little under the 50,000 person metro population. So even the mid-size investment groups just weren't quite looking at it seriously. So we were able to find a deal that allowed us to go higher on that leverage than what you would traditionally want to do, yet without, let's just say our free cash flow is really, really comfortable as if we were doing a deal at maybe only 65 or 70% leverage. So it really has been a good deal. Now it is park-owned homes, which is the one wrinkle, which means you have to be a little bit more maintenance savvy. So that it's not a perfect deal, but it got our foot in the door and now it gives us a base to go on and do subsequent deals, which is what we're planning now. So that's five to seven minutes there, whatever that took. That's, that's pretty much the story of how it came to be. Yeah. Very detailed. Thank you for sharing. I guess a few follow-up questions before we move on. So the first thing that comes to mind is you mentioned that when you were first starting out, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to build a team first and then basically leverage their relationships to raise capital in a sense and get financing from banks. And you mentioned that you were reaching out to some pretty top tier legal accountants, things like that. How did you win them over to your side? You mentioned you didn't really have any experience, didn't have any money. How are you able to get them onto your team? Candor and a big vision. I would say those were the two main things. First thing, I remember my pitch really well because I made it over 50 times. I remember starting with saying, hey, thank you so much for your time. And then there was this, hey, look, I know I can do this, but I know I can't do it alone. And I said, let me be real transparent with you about who I am and who I'm not. Firstly, no real estate background, no B-school degree, no law degree. I don't have those traditional white collar degrees. So I just want to be clear about, I don't have that. That's in fact why I'm reaching out to you. But what I do have is a relentless work ethic. And more importantly, I believe the ability to make this thing happen. Again, I know I can do this. I just know I can't do it alone. And I think it's going to be a lot easier for us to be successful because we found this asset class in the manufactured housing industry or the mobile home park space that's ripe for consolidation, that is a real strong asset that will be a joy to fundraise for. And so I talked a lot about the money. The big question you have when you're reaching out to individuals like that, especially in the early stages before you really have a track record and when you really don't have much capital to talk about is, okay, well, how are you going to get the money? I can guarantee you that's going to be the question if you follow anywhere near a model of what I did is, okay, where's the money? And I made a pretty strong point that if we have a strong enough deal and a strong enough of a team, the finance will come, which ultimately did prove to be true. The bank finance in our deal, like I talked about a minute ago, was difficult. But ultimately, what I didn't share is finally a bank did get involved. And albeit the terms weren't exactly ideal, which is why we want the seller carryback note, a bank finally did throw their hat in the ring. It took two months of jumping the bones of every bank in the greater Lincoln and Omaha metro to get that to happen. But it did happen. But again, I would say it's the big vision. I talked about the big vision that I have for Brighter Living to grow it to be a very, very successful company. And I told him I would do anything and everything in my power to make sure this was a success. 
And I made it real clear to them. I'm just looking for a little bit of your time. I'm not looking for your capital. I'm not even looking to tap into your network for this first deal. Let me prove myself and then we'll tap into your network, which is actually about a year later almost of now recording this. Now that team now has confidence in me. I thought, wow, you know, if this kid was able to pull that off without any of our real help other than a couple of pointers, imagine what would happen if we all opened up our collective Rolodex, which is why we're really excited about the future. But hopefully those are some valuable pointers about how I was able to build that mm-hmm. team from scratch. Absolutely. So I'm going to wrap the next question into the best ever advice question. So the second thing you mentioned that seemed to be the most important for this deal because the seller ended up basically funding 88% of the deal. You mentioned that you wanted to talk about this anyways, which is building rapport. So what is your best real estate investing advice ever as it relates to building rapport with a seller? I would say the best advice I can give about building rapport with sellers is one, do it in person, two, do it honestly, but three, even if you don't have a super strong base to stand on, don't sell yourself short. There's this tough blend of, hey, I don't have the world of experience. I'm talking, assuming our listener here doesn't have a ton of experience. If you have experience, then it's even easier for you then it's just as simple as spend time with the seller and ensure the seller that your goals overlap. It's really that building rapport over time, figuring out what are your goals, Mr. or Mrs. Seller? What are my goals? And can we bridge them in a way that allows for us both to get what we want out of life? But the best way to do that is through shared time together. I probably spent 10 to 20 hours in person with the seller before that seller carryback offer went through. And the other half, I know this is a multi- part answer, but I don't believe in the the just one thing. Well, there's a lot of factors that go into procuring over a million dollars in bank finance when you don't really have too much as far as a reputation at that point. But the other thing that goes into this is every single thing I told the seller I would do, I did. Hey, I'll see you at 11 a.m. I was there. Hey, we'll do a Zoom call at 9 a.m. I was there. Hey, I'm going to talk to every single bank in town. Four days later, his realtor saying, man, I got a call from two different banks saying, two bankers that I knew locally that this guy, Jason Rogers, was talking about your deal, right? So do what you say and say what you do. When you blend all of those things together, you give yourself the best chance possible to have rapport, but don't get me wrong. Also, part of it is just a human thing. There were 15 or 20 other sellers I talked to that I probably didn't have as good of a rapport with any of them as I did with the one seller that we ultimately did the deal with. There was a shared mindset regarding business and how it should be done. So when you take all of those things together, It's not just one ingredient that makes the cake, but you put all these ingredients together and then, yeah, it's a happy birthday and a delightful cake to go along with it. All right, Jason, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's roll. All right, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com. All right, Jason, what is the best ever book you've recently read? This one's not going to be super delightful for your audience. I haven't read a book in quite some time. And I used to be a voracious reader. I can talk about books all day long. I love Rockefeller's biography. I love Alexander the Great's biography. I love Relentless by Tim Grover. I love Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. That being said, I've not read a book in probably six months or more. I've just been so damn focused on business that I, mm-hmm. I really haven't gotten to that. So there's a couple of books that I like, but I would be lying if I said I've read a, a book completely. <laughs> I just don't want to BS the audience here. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? If my business were to collapse today, what would I do 
next? I'd probably go into sales at some point. I like sales. Only if you're selling something you believe in. And by the way, on the prior question, I would also read the shareholder reports by Buffett. Mm -hmm. That's not exactly a book, but I do read those. But yeah, I'd probably go into sales. What is your best ever way you like to give back? I do a whole bunch of, and this is a bit self-promotional, but I like to do free content on YouTube. I've been somebody that's loved YouTube for a long time. So I would say producing YouTube content that is free, that really is not holding anything back that tries to add as much value as humanly possible. That's what I like to do when I'm not working to quote unquote give back. And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you? I would say the best ever place to reach me would be my LinkedIn, which is linkedin.com backslash IN backslash Jason Paul Rogers one. I know that's a very long URL, but basically (laughs) search my name, Jason Paul Rogers on LinkedIn. I'll probably be the first one that shows up. So I would say LinkedIn is probably the best ever place to find. Perfect. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and giving us really a lot of information in such a short period of time. Very detailed. You walked us through, again, in great detail, your first deal, that $1.275 million mobile home park. You mentioned how you kind of started from being a nomadic traveler to attending a seminar to learning all you possibly could about the mobile home park asset class, starting by putting a team together then focused on financing second. You've talked about why you focused on the Midwest as opposed to where you're from, which is California. You talked about how you found the deal through hunting for deals, through cold calling and touring across the Midwest, 15, 20 mobile home parks. After you found the deal, you talked about the entire process of funding the deal and how you ended up landing on an 88% seller carryback note with the owner. We also talked about how you partnered with the top tier people in the market and how others can do the same and You said it was candor and a big vision. Something I really liked about what you said was when you were talking to them, you didn't go in there saying, hey, I want your network. I want your money. Instead, you said, I'm just looking for your time and I want to prove myself first before I start asking for these big things from you. And then lastly, your best ever advice for how to build rapport with the seller was do it in person. Do it honestly. Don't sell yourself short. Ensure that your goals overlap which is accomplished by shared time together. You spent 10, 20 hours in person with a seller. And then the biggest thing I think is doing everything you said that you're going to do, you actually did. And I think the really good example was you said you're gonna reach out to every bank within a hundred mile radius. And then the broker called the owner and said, hey, I had a call from these banks saying that Jason reached out to them. So I'm sure that was a great way to build rapport with the seller. So again, Jason, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Best ever listeners, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's been a pleasure. You have a great one. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast, hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer, interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com.